give me a hell yeah. I said, give me a hell yeah. everybody this is double g for the fight game podcast as always alongside my buddy john laraca what's going on john not much man what's going on with you uh let's see took the kid out for a little bit got home watched my warriors tank the fourth quarter against the portland trailblazers and uh yeah, yeah they lost wow going into the all-star break you know not not oh, not, yeah, a, yeah. not a super important game they've been playing really well but that makes sense. Yeah. Steve Kerr went nuts, got kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> you want to start a vacation early. Exactly. Actually, I think he was saving Draymond. That's probably what he was doing. Um, so a uh, bunch of stuff to talk about, as usual. Um, I think that, like, if, if we're talking about from, like, a, an actual what happened in the sport perspective, the fact that Jay White beat... Hiroshi Tanahashi at uh, the New Beginning show in the beginning of this week was probably the biggest news, but we're going to save that for a little bit after our Road to WrestleMania segment. And, uh, you know, lots, I mean, lots of stuff happening in, in all three sports, really. Uh, this weekend is just ridiculous as far as, uh, and, and we'll break it down, but man, like just on Sunday alone, like big UFC show, WWE Elimination Chamber, and they're all going head up against the NBA All-Star game. It's going to be another one where I'm going to have like a computer, an iPad, and a TV going all at one time. That's crazy, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. There's so much stuff. There's we'll, we'll talk about it. There's like boxing, there's MMA, there's WWE. It's it's, it's and then there's I think there's probably some Japanese shows going on. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get it started with the Road to WrestleMania segment. Uh, Raw was very much the Becky Lynch show again, which I think is the right thing to do because she is the 2019 version of Stone Cold Steve Austin, though I would say the booking was uh, a lot simpler back then as far as what they are doing with uh, w- w- with what they were doing with Austin. Uh, Becky Lynch is in, in tons of convoluted storylines and stuff that's going on that probably doesn't need to need to be part of it but it, i mean the fact of the matter is they still have you know two and a half week or two and a half months until wrestlemania so they got to fill you know five hours of tv time every week with this stuff yeah it's um well they, it's just like it feels so far away still and then they got a lot to go to do and what they're going to do with these every monday and tuesday night with this stuff is going to be very very interesting by the time we get the wrestlemania it's like who cares you know it might be at that point well i mean that's the worst thing right is that they peak too early and then come wrestlemania fans aren't mm-hmm. as excited like that's the worst case scenario yeah i mean i, I could i could i could see that happen i know there's fast lane and i'm sure there's probably going to be some kind of a you know Becky versus Charlotte match on there, I think, is going to happen. So it should be uh, it should be 
interesting if they could keep it going, but I don't know, man. Just this angle on Monday just really, really fell flat for me. Okay, so let, let's actually talk about it. And you know, we we saw the holes with the angle last week, which we talked about on uh, on on our mid on our midweek show. We actually came back with a second show to kind of talk about my trip to Vegas and and at, pick up on the stuff that we didn't get to talk about on the midweek show, but. One of the issues uh, that we both thought was, you know, having Stephanie and Triple H involved uh, in some instances, I think, was positive, but in others was also negative. And so they they had to continue those storylines and also add uh, to the end Uncle Milty, I mean, Vince McMahon, um, he... Uh, you know, he he kind of closed the show with his, with his stuff, and, and we'll get to it. But so there, it, you know, it's basically become Becky and Rhonda and Charlotte and the McMahons at the same time. So it's not, you know, it's we can't just let these uh, these three women kind of dominate. The, you know, they need foes and and they need you know other stuff going on. And the way to do it is to add Vince and Stephanie. And Triple H, you know, I, I think they just should just uh, should just bring back Linda for this one. We need five McMahons here to to run this show. Yeah, each one needs to have their own person in the match. You know, <laughs> Vince has Charlotte, Triple H has Ronda, Stephanie's gonna have Oscar, <laughs> Shane's gonna have Becky. That's what they need to do. Just like uh, WrestleMania, what was it? WrestleMania, yeah, WrestleMania 16, a McMahon in every corner. I know. It's like, give me a break. I just don't like this. I mean, I, I don't mind the McMahons, honestly, but like, they have to, every time it's like a major, like the, the big program, they have to be involved, and there's just no need for them to evolve. I mean, I think they, they could have had a more creative way to get Charlotte into this match. You know, they didn't need to have just, you know, what happened at the end of Raw. So. I was writing some things down when I was watching Raw, and I wrote them down as dumb things numbers one through four. <laughs> and it, it, you know, I, I even mentioned this uh, last week and the week before. I'm, I'm going to be really nitpicky at this stuff because this is their main thing, right? Like this is what their best creative should be on. So, you know, we already nitpicked uh, Becky wearing the the knee brace on the outside of her pants and her jumping down from the apron and no one with a bad knee would ever do that. So dumb thing number one from raw this week. So we both thought that Becky was pretty dumb to not want to go to the doctor. So dumb that after all we went through last week, she just went to her own doctor anyways. And the McMahons were like, Oh, like you're you're cleared. Like we talked to your doctor. You're you're fine. All that yep. last week. Yep, Doctor Kevorkian and Doctor Stan Conti got together and they talked about it. <laughs> I guess. So so they basically tell her that she has to, or that that she's cleared. And the only thing she has to do is apologize. And and they apologize to her, so she has to apologize to them. So now I'm thinking, you know, Floyd Mayweather, Oscar De La Hoya, 
2.4 million buys. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather called Oscar Chicken de la Hoya. And, you know, the 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 whole fight was based on, you know, uh, Oscar was the draw at that point. Like, imagine if Oscar was like, you know what? I'm pulling out of this fight unless you apologize to me. This money match, you have to apologize or else I'm just not doing it. I don't know, so I'm just such a drives me nuts. It's like, you know, or it's it's pro wrestling, it's combat sports, right? And these people were talking about apologies uh on a three hour show, a whole show storyline. Is she gonna apologize? Then you have smiley face Finn Balor. You know, you should do it. You know, it's like <laughs> it was just like the the worst, man. I'm watching this and I'm just like, man, this is not how you book a tough, badass baby face. You don't have her sitting there sulking in the catacombs of the arena, you know, with her head down, you know, debating if she should apologize. And then you have Finn Balor going out there and Mr. Second Place and, you know, happy to be second place, you know, goes over there and just like, I think you should do it, you know, <laughs> might as well just do it, you know. That's just like, it was just, this is, how many writers they have and this is what they came up with i mean come on there has to be something better than this yeah so she's so she's so distrustful of them that she would not go to the doctor like it, it was like mind-boggling for her to go to the doctor because she's so fearful that they're that they just want to take this match away from her so badly so this week she's like I guess those are the stipulations, and so I got to think about this for the whole, you know, for the whole show. And so, dumb thing that that would have been dumb, that was dumb thing number two. Dumb thing number three. Rhonda, I don't know, what was it like three or four weeks ago? Cuts this passionate <clears throat> promo on Becky, basically saying, you know, if this were real, I would kill you without saying it like that. But that's basically what she said on, on Raw on, d- during the promo. And this week, she's saying, come on, Becky, you got to be smart about this. We're trying to make history here. I thought you were trying to kill this woman, and now you're trying to make history, and that's the reason why you want Becky to apologize. Yeah, that's definitely WWE writer's lingo, right? Making history, all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, I know Rhonda... You know, definitely need some coaching and a promos, but like give her stuff that she would really, really say, you know, give her stuff like, yeah, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to break your arm. You know, you're in over your head, you know, or something like that. You know, just let her be Rhonda. I mean, shit talking Rhonda. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that you could say is if you're Rhonda, you're like, look, no women have ever main evented WrestleMania. I know that means a lot to you. It doesn't mean as much to me. I just want to kick your ass, but I know that yeah. means a lot to you. And, you know, do the right thing. They could have they could have said that and that would have been so much better. So, dumb thing number 4 <laughs> is Milton Berle reincarnated as Vince McMahon. I don't know what the heck he was wearing. It just reminded me of Milton Berle for whatever reason. <laughs> um, suspends Becky for 60 days, okay? Becky was suspended last week, and it she just showed up on Raw on SmackDown the next day. So, are we supposed to believe that suspensions matter? Like, just because Vince did it instead of Triple H, it actually means something. Like, I was highly confused. Yeah, that was that was 
pretty weak, pretty weak excuse to try to, to get her out, quote, unquote, out of the match. Um, I did not like how they introduced Charlotte. I mean, I it's fine that she – no, I, I mean, I don't mind it that, she, that Vince introduced her. That's, that was fine. It's just they didn't give her a chance to say anything. Mm-hmm. They just went off the air. It's just her smiling. You know, and I, did think, I think there needed to be some more. There needed to be some time for her to say something to Rhonda and Becky. So it leads to, you know, this 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 head-to-head battle between Vince McMahon and Becky Lynch. Now, I, I just mentioned four really dumb things that I didn't like. But at the end of the day, if Becky puts Vince in the disarmor, and the only way she lets him go is if he says, okay, you're back in the match. Stop killing me. Then I'm I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. It's just so convoluted to get to that position. Um, you know, that it, it just, it's kind of, it's just a waste of, of like, it's almost like, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll call back to, the interview that me and Big Dave did with Kenny Omega because he said, now he said this, I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm not like, not that I heard it, anything. He said this directly to us, which was, I, th- you know, I thought about going to WWE and turning my brain off and letting them just write my stuff. Like that was an actual quote that he said. And as a fan in order to go along with this stuff, that's kind of what you have to do as well. So it's not only the wrestlers who, you know, kind of just have to deal with some of this this verbiage, but as a fan too, because, you know, I'm watching this and I'm studying this because I know I'm going to have to talk about it a couple different times. And I'm like, okay, I want to make sure that I'm I'm really in tune with what's going on. But the only way that I'm not getting frustrated is if I just don't care or if I just don't pay attention or if I just turn my brain off. So... I, I mean, I, I get that part of it, but it it still is a fresh, frustrating watch considering this is the hottest thing going, you know, in WWE. I just think they could have had a, an, an easier way to get Charlotte into the match. I just don't I mean, I understand how well, this thing came up. Well, the easiest way would have had her win the Royal Rumble. <laughs> True. Or a tie at the Rumble would have been... I mean, I know it's hard to pull off, and it easily it doesn't really work out, <laughs> you know, well. But or you know, like Charlotte could just be Charlotte and be a heel, and 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 claim that, you know, Becky's is a fad, and Becky is not, you know, Becky's, you know, doing stuff, you know, saying stuff, not being who she is, not being the real. I know the real Becky, and she can't handle this. I'm the, you know, I'm the number one woman here. I'm the one that can beat Ronda. For weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, it's just talking trash, talking trash, and finally Becky, you know, puts up her shot at Mania line as Charlotte, and something happens where Charlotte maybe pulls off the victory in some kind of controversial fashion, and then they, you know, Becky ends up back in it somehow with you know the, some some babyface move by maybe Vince McMahon instead of a heel move, you know puts Becky in or, or, or Becky you know, does something to get back in and then they have the three way like like you don't I don't think you need the McMahons, honestly. She can she can you can figure it out a way to do it without without it, you know. Charlotte did cut that promo 
on SmackDown, and I thought it was great. But I get what you're saying is that that would be a way to get into the match instead of already being in the match and then, you know, cutting the promo then. But uh, I, I, th- I was trying to think back. Now, I don't remember tons of memorable NXT promos. Um, and I remember some really bad WWE ones when they would put her in the main event and she's, you know, and then that she's like, like killing her dad and turning on her dad. Like, I thought those were really bad, but this was, this was great. I really liked her opening promos. Almost like she's embraced, like she embraced the character and, uh, and her social media game is on fire right now as well on Twitter. She's just, you know, going back and forth with these, with these dudes who are like (laughs) killing her. Uh, but I was, I, I, th- I was like, man, she's money. Like, th- like if you need any reason to know why she's in this match, like that, that was it right there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that promo was really good because Charlotte's a really good promo, and you know, and she's each year she just gets to get better and better. I mean, she has her character down. She knows who she is. She's very confident out there. I believe in her. I believe her character that she's portraying. Um, yeah, I I just don't I just don't understand why they had to go this route. And I'd like to f- figure it out. Like I would like to maybe if I had time to sit down and graph my own like storyline how to get Charlotte in there. And I think also they want Charlotte in there too, not, not just to you know be the the conduit in the match to mm-hmm. keep things going and flowing. Um, but also you know they don't want they really don't want Ronda to be booed too much i think they want the heel heat all to be on charlotte and take away but unfortunately you know ronda's just gonna be booed she's gonna be in that role she needs to accept that and go with it and just be her yep and and just go with the fact that she's gonna beat becky's ass she's gonna be charlotte's ass she doesn't care for being cheered or booed i'm just here i'm the champion i'm gonna walk out you know the world champion at the end of wrestlemania so what's what's I've been having, and I don't want to say they're arguments. There's just sort of like debates about what's going on. Like WWE really has the fans in this case <laughs> eating out of their hands. Like yeah, you you see online how many fans really believe that like Charlotte is Vince McMahon's choice, and that somehow some way he's going to take away what they want which is becky to win and so you know the but the reality of the situation is is if vince has a hand-picked choice it's becky it's not charlotte like i don't get i don't i don't understand how the fan base can be so dense about that and maybe this is just good storytelling maybe this is like maybe this is actually what they do best is to get their fans all paranoid about getting screwed but I mean, I guess it has happened historically time and time and time again. But yeah, I mean, the, the fans are just like so paranoid that they're not going to get what they want. Yeah, Becky's going to beat Ronda in the match. She's not going to beat Charlotte because you want to set something up future for her, right? Out of WrestleMania. So Becky's going to have her hand raised and win the championship. Her next challenge is going to be Charlotte. We'll be good. She'll be fine. It'll be a big happy ending at the end, just like they did with Brian, Daniel Bryan, when he beat Triple H in the in the opener and end up winning the title in the main event later that night. It's going to be like basically the same story and told just a very a little bit differently, but you're going to have the same outcome, right? 
the, the fans, the, the people that they wanted to be champions, finally going to do it, you know, and Becky's going to do it. Yeah, she's going to do it. And, uh, you know, you know, you, you mentioned that WrestleMania 30 storyline, like that could have been a way like, like Charlotte wins the Royal Rumble, right? And, uh, and so it's Charlotte and Ronda as the advertised match, but everyone wants Becky in and they're like, okay, well you have to, you have to face Asuka in the first match on the show and winner gets put in the main event at the end of the show. And that could have been one way that they could have did it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a you could do that too. I mean, there's there's other there's so many different ways. It's just this way of her like just having to hear her debate if she's gonna apologize <laughs> for a whole damn show. Just oh my god, it was such a struggle to get through those three hours just with that. You know, it's just it's just it's just stupid. So, what did you think about Seth Rollins's promo? Because He's either trying to trick us in some way, or they are laying, uh, they're they're laying some story down that may pay off. But he sure as hell sounded like he is uh, in a lot of pain. Well, yeah, he's not wrestling. He's off. Uh, he's off the house shows, right? If I believe so, he's off Elimination Chamber. He's off Elimination Chamber. So, yeah, they he's probably a little rough really bad shape so they they definitely want to give him the time to heal up so he can be ready for wrestlemania because i don't think they really want to go through a whole rewrite and all that you know so i think i think he's banged up i think you know they're confident that he'll be ready for wrestlemania and he's gonna do all he can to be ready for wrestlemania because that's just a big payday and and he doesn't want to miss out and as of now, I believe he's scheduled to win the title from Brock Lesnar. I mean, that could always change with negotiations with Brock or Vince wanting to hold something off to trick the fans or kind of or push it back to have it happen like a pay-per-view later. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. So, yeah, you know, he's definitely, he's definitely feeling I hope we don't get damn Paul Heyman and Seth Rollins promos for weeks and weeks <laughs> build up because – because that's gonna, not gonna be any fun either. I mean, I'm not, you know, Paul's a great promo and, and that's good too. It's just, it's just, you know, they're gonna have to do something other than these damn promos. Yeah. You know? Well, I still say they should go back to some Rock versus Brock stuff with the with the training videos and all that. You know, like maybe you do that with Seth while he's on the mend, and same with Brock. Yeah. You know? The um, the thing that I wonder is, Seth has. In his singles run post Shield, has been often injured, and Vince, in order to be a Vince top guy, you have to be very durable. Like think of how durable John Cena was. Like he, he I mean, he had a neck injury at some point, and you know, he, but he was always coming back like really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Triple H. You know, he's had some pretty big injuries as well. But uh, those actually helped sort of build him back up. But someone like Seth, who seems to get dinged up, I kind of worry about what Vince thinks about him as a long-term, you know, guy. I think he's, I think he's with Seth. Yeah, I think he's really behind him. I worry about Seth's, you know, longevity because you know that that knee is, uh, you know, was pretty messed up. So, I mean, knee injuries. I've known to come back, you know, and haunt people. 
as as you know, right? You still oh, yeah. feel your knee injury. So oh, yeah. like, this guy's doing three topes a match. I right? know. And I don't and I don't even know how what surgery had I I don't maybe he has like kinda like Hunter Pence had, you know, like he's like down like you know, the three ligaments that he had, now he's down to two, you know. That the, that I remember that. I was wondering if he had something like that too, where it's like, Yeah, yeah, one more of these, you know, it could be could be toast. So I hope not. I mean, I like Seth and I think they need they need this to be a great match. They need um you know, they need someone to get hot again. And I don't know if Seth can ever get as hot as he was in two thousand fifteen right after WrestleMania, but but we'll see if he can if they go hot. I'm sure they're gonna have a great match, right? I, I mean, actually looking forward to that match. I think it's I think it'll be good. You know, people probably be like, it's gonna be another same Brock Lesnar match. You know, <laughs> people. And then they'll be like, oh, that was really good at the end of it because you know, because they all are really good matches that Brock has. You know, he's had some interesting ones, but like for the most part, man, he's 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 delivered. Just like Daniel Bryan says, they're fickle. True. Uh, so, what did you think of Dean Ambrose's babyface turn right in front of everybody on Raw? Mm, crap. I don't know. It's like, and I was more upset that he beat EC3 because mm-hmm. you know the the whole like quote unquote fifty fifty booking. It's like you know, I mean, I'm, it's like you got a guy like EC3. He's a new face. The the company damn sure needs some new faces to get over, and then. All of a sudden, he's you know losing his second match on Raw, so I was just like, just rolled my eyes at that. So yeah, you know, Dean's a babyface, being goofy again. You know, I guess on his way out, he'll get that role if he if he if he really does leave, unless he can you know, this is all bullshit or (laughs) signs a new contract. Who knows? I mean, either way, I don't really care. Dean, like I said before, like I just don't never really got behind him. Um, did a little bit early on the shield, like he was really starting to stand out. Um, but as he evolved, I just couldn't get into his style of wrestling and the look, you know, it's just like the jeans and tank top look, just not one of my favorites. Yeah. You can only hit the middle rope and come off and hit a clothesline so many times. Um, Okay, so the uh, gauntlet match that they had on SmackDown, which was to set up the, not even the order in the Elimination Chamber, is basically just to see who gets the last spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that match was like an hour and some change. Like, it was, I mean, you had to sit there and and uh, there was a marathon to get through that match. And, and that's, not, that's not me saying it was bad in any way. I, th- I thought the wrestling was good. But, you know, to, to, keep, to keep an audience for, for that length of a match, uh, there was a lot of interesting things that they tried to do. One of was put Kofi Kingston in for Mustafa Ali. And I think if Mustafa Ali was in that match, the match is probably... I don't know, twice as good or whatever, but his story of being the underdog who upsets Daniel Bryan and then, you know, upsets Samoa Joe and then upsets Jeff Hardy, that works for someone like Mustafa Ali. It doesn't work for the guy who was carrying pancakes to the ring. (laughs) No, not at all. Um, I don't mind the hour match. You know, it's essentially different matches within an hour. So he had all these different styles. So to me, it, it, it flowed really well. Um, 
I wonder if that was – I wonder if that Kofi booking was the same booking that Mustafa was going to have or since they had to put Kofi in, they really wanted to do something to really make him feel special as he goes into his elimination chamber, right? So just have him out there to get beat, you know, in the gauntlet match. You know, so I think they – I wonder if they, they if that was Mustafa's storyline, they were still going to do that originally or they switched things around to get Kofi hot for this match. And uh... – the thing that bothered me probably the most was Corey Graves yelling and screaming about why you want to win this match because <laughs> you want to be the the sixth you know you want to be the final entrant in the match, and so I really wondered I was like I mean how many people have won from that spot, and I mentioned that on Wrestling Observer Radio and someone tweeted out uh, tweeted to me, uh, let me find his Twitter handle. Uh, well, I'll, I'll read the tweet first, and then and then uh, and then we'll find the Twitter handle. So basically, he said that uh, of tw- of the twenty two chamber matches to date, only six have come from that final six spot. Most winners, seven, actually came from the fifth spot. Four winners have entered as one or two: Cena, Punk, Taker, and Edge. And uh, and and that was that was uh, that was the story. So. You know, that's, I mean, that's a 27% chance of winning the match if you enter as the sixth thing. But they, they were just like, Corey Graves was just going crazy about it. And I'm like, this is not something that they generally push, right? Like, like when you're, uh, you know, in the Royal Rumble, it makes sense that there's 30 guys and you want to be near the end, like the luck of the draw. Like, that makes a little bit more sense. But, you know, in, in this match, they've never really pushed that. And the other thing I didn't like is uh, in the in the women's match, the uh, the matches were all about not losing, so you wouldn't be the first two entrants in that match. And and one of the things that I really liked about the Elimination Chamber back in the day was that it was so random. Like the pods would just light up, and the teams that lit up were the ones that went in. You know that went in, and I thought, and they just take away that drama of the match uh, right away yeah. by by doing that. Well, you knew they were going to ruin that drama because they ruined the drama of the Royal Rumble, right? Who's yeah. going to be number one? Who's going to be number 30? Who's going to be number two? You know, start off the Rumble as well. Like, they've, they've totally ruined that ever since they've had Vince McMahon making someone, you're going to be the first guy to enter the Royal Rumble or something like that, you know, or, or number 30, you already know who he is. It's just, it's, I still, that's a kid that. Growing up, that made the Royal Rumble so much fun. Is like you just never know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And then same thing. I like the elimination chamber. Like you just didn't know who was going to come out next, who was going to be picked, or whose pot was going to open up. And now it's it's just so they they cut out some of the mystery, and I don't know why they, they do that. The, the reason why they're doing that because they they need some to fill these hours, <laughs> right? They need something. Yep. And yep. so we get the we get this horrible opening match on Raw. Which I thought was I don't want to say horrible, but it was it just wasn't that good. Yeah, it was like and then like, what was up with this crowd at on Raw? Did they did they know they bought tickets to watch pro wrestling, or were they just kind of like decided to just be quiet the whole show? You know, like I got no and like like poor Bobby Roode and um, Chad Gable and the Revival are, are going out there busting their ass, you know, going just all out for a good length of time and the crowd just barely barely got into it yeah you know they started reacting a little bit some of the near falls towards the end but like i would say about i don't know 
90% of that match, they were just kind of on their on their hands. I mean, that was a weird that was a weird crowd. So just to give credit to the uh, the guy on Twitter who sent us that information, his name is Richard Becerra, and his he's on Twitter at r b e c e r r a twenty one. So go go give go give Richard a follow. He's uh, he's uh, he, he's he hasn't been on Twitter for that long. So go get go give him a follow. All right, so um, I want to go over the just quickly go over the card um, for Elimination Chamber. It's it's not a good one. I I am trying to trying to figure out, you know, where where is the you know because these WWE pay per views are so long. Like, what what's you know? I think that Elimination Chamber match with with uh, the SmackDown tag title ta- uh, SmackDown title on the line that will probably be a really good match. And, you know, it's going to be a long match, so that'll take up some time. And then they have the women in the other chamber, which will be another long match. But I'm not convinced that that match is going to be good at all. Yeah, it's a. I think it might be fine. I think they're definitely going to practice it a lot. And I think they'll get um, the Hassan creative stuff in it. Um, but I'm a little worried about that match. But if they continue to, you know, can it and practice it I, th- I think it'll be fine i think it'll be fine i think it might surprise us honestly at least that's what i'm hoping for you know the men's uh wb uh, championship match the, in the chamber i think it's gonna be i think it, it should be really good with all the people involved so um and that, those that you know that match should be like what 30 minutes plus and then how, how long do you think the women are gonna get i'm gonna say i'm gonna say about 25 minutes plus maybe you know so let's see so you have two teams start in the middle and then there's four increments of five minutes so after after five after 20 minutes everyone's in the ring yeah so it has to go at least 20 yeah yeah i think the women will get like 25 the men the men's the men's match may go longer especially if we get the daniel bryan and aj styles final two uh i think i think i think that match could go a little bit longer yeah that'd be great you know hopefully i'm kind of hoping orton has a good showing just kind of get some steam going again with him you know Mm -hmm. get get involved so uh who do you think wins the uh, i think most people think it's going to be bailey and sasha i kind of hope that it's nia jackson tamina only because out of all of those women in that match, Nijax is the only one that they protect. And if you want to have tag team champions, you should have, you know, a little bit of a little bit of protection. Like I just feel like Sasha and Bailey get it, and it's like, oh, you know, now we're the mid card of mid card titles. But at least if it's Nijax and Tamina, like there's a little, you know, they actually push Nijax. Yeah, I can see that. I think Bailey's gonna turn on Sasha, so I'm gonna just guess that's gonna happen. I don't think Sasha and Bailey are winning either. I think it's just too obvious. I think you, I think it's a good idea to go with Tamina and Nia because you know Nia's they, there's a lot of focus on her, right? So I think they should keep that going, and I think they'll be good together as a team, and it can uh, it can. Uh, being in a team would would enhance their strengths and hide their weaknesses. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. 
So the Miz and Shane McMahon face off against the Usos. The the Miz and Shane McMahon are like the wackiest, the wackiest team out there. So crazy. It's it's actually kind of fun, and and I like the two of them together. And I think we even mentioned this before. Like I kind of want them to hang around for a little while. Like I don't want to see them split right away. I think the the key to their split is that people are just having so much fun with them as a twosome, kind of like Jericho and Owens. Like, you know it's coming, but you have so much fun with these guys. And then finally you do it, and you're like, ah, you know, finally, you know, now, now, yeah. they, now they did it. Yeah. No, no, you're right. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool if they, like, could, like, be chance for, like, a year and it'd be, like, this great tag team that could really make it work. I know Shane is, he's very limited. This is all, like, just just fun on my end, but, like, but I just think it's going to be wrapped up soon, and they'll have a singles match at WrestleMania. See, and that's the thing that I don't want to see. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I'm just telling you, it's probably what's mostly what they're building towards, though. Like, I could see them facing off against really good tag teams for, like, six months. No problem whatsoever. But the second they have a match, I'm like, oh, God, this is what I'm not looking forward to. Is Shane considered still, like, the general manager of SmackDown? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I know they dropped that or something. Well, it's it's supposed to be... Uh, so, Paige, wait. Right? It was supposed but to be Paige. Yeah, and they had a different They had a different title. He and Stephanie had different titles. I forget what their title was. But yeah, like like Paige was general manager, and then they she moved on. and uh, Yeah. So, um, a match that I'm actually looking forward to, and, I, and, and it sounds like they're going to put on the pre-show, which sucks, is Buddy Murphy against Tazawa. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really good. I mean, unfortunately, no one's gonna. A lot of people won't watch it because I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people skipped pre-shows. I mean, that's a that's a feeling I get because, man, six that's a long time to be watching wrestling. Yep. You know. Yep. Especially the same kind of product, you know. So I think you know a little easier to jump around different kind of styles, but. It sucks. I mean, I I mean, I feel bad for Buddy Murphy. I think he needs more exposure on the main card because he's he's really he's really good but we'll see what happens maybe in a few months he'll be you know in a different position so um so then ronda against ruby riot i think this is going to be um basically ronda and handicap match against the three women mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then something else with uh, becky and charlotte so i mean it, it may be like ronda against all odds completely in this whole match but uh you know i think this 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 is where they have to do something angle wise because becky and charlotte are not on, on not wrestling and becky or charlotte specifically said that she's going to be ringside um so we'll see with becky's suspension uh, what happens? Yeah, I'd be curious to see how they get Charlotte and Becky involved in the match because I mean, Charlotte can't be out there trying to screw with Ronda because she wants to have her title shot, right? With Ronda, that's the idea is to be in this big match with Ronda. So it wouldn't be their best interest to to make sure Ronda retains the title? <laughs> yeah. So maybe they go out there and defend? I don't know. Who knows? It's I. I mean, I just think Ronda should just blitz <laughs> Ruby Riot. Like, you know, the girls try to, you know, uh, what's her, what's the other, Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan try to 
try to tag Ron in the beginning, but Ron makes a big comeback. Then there's the match with Ruby Riot, and she ends up and she ends up just killing her, you know. But yep, yep, that'd be kind of cool. And just then they have Ronda cut a promo on Becky and Charlotte, you know. And then Becky and Charlotte comes out, and then maybe Becky comes up from out of nowhere to the stands and beats the crap out of Charlotte. Grabs the mic, starts cutting promo on Ronda. All here comes all the the suits are trying to pull her out of the way. There's Adam Pierce, there's Fit Finley, there's <laughs> you know all these Tom Caster maybe I don't know. Uh, you know they're, they're trying to grab. They're just trying to grab her out of the ring. You know, got to you know, pull off Becky. You know, Vince McMahon's like arrest her. You know, <laughs> they start doing all that. I mean, I don't know. Just have it crazy. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think that not necessarily that match. Uh, when Ruby Riot, um, who does she have? Uh, Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross on Raw. Like you were, you mentioned the crowd. They were like it was a cemetery during that match, and it didn't. I don't think Riot looked great. I don't think Cross looked great. It was like one of the few times in wrestling where a match which is designed to get somebody over got both of them less over than they were before it was like weird like i I was amazed at how mm-hmm. you know at how little it did for either women either woman yeah, that, that that crowd didn't do a lot of matches any favors they had a lot of segments any favors like i think when even seth came out for his promo it wasn't that hot for him yeah you know, they weren't going crazy I mean, Be- becky's reaction wasn't that big yeah yeah i mean she came out and she's like doing the Waving to the you know three sides of the ring and I mean they got shot nice reaction but it wasn't like you know it wasn't like that superstar level that that we you know of course we we're spoiled here and you know Stone Cold's reaction the Rock's reaction mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan's reaction like I mean she's getting good reaction but she's not getting that level of reaction so okay I'm gonna put you on the spot La- mm-hmm. what, you may have even mentioned this before but give me your like one or two loudest pops that you've ever heard live uh stone cold steve austin after he won the uh wf title for the first time so that was at 98 right mm-hmm. so he and so he beat Shawn michaels wrestlemania and like soon after they he defended the title against triple h at the san jose arena so and this wasn't even tv no no it's a house show this was just like Holy this was cow. nuts i know the, the, the whole arena was sold out and um, he had a universal Triple H. And when he hit that stunner, man, like, <laughs> it was nuts. Like, I mean, I, 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 I can still vision visualize that stunner. Like, all it was is just a camera camera lights going. Boom, 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 boom. Looked like fireworks. It was awesome. And then second to that was Hariah Faber at Sacramento, WC show I went to. So that was pretty... Uh, he fought, uh, God, who did he fight? Rafael Sensal. And um, he made his comeback, and it was a Sacramento. And hey, California love hit, and the crowd was going crazy. <laughs> um, on TV, Big Pops, one of the biggest ones I remember is Sting winning the title from Flair at the Baltimore Arena mm. in 1990. Like the whole crowd was just going crazy when he won the title. The one that I that sticks in the back of my mind, actually, the, the two that stick in the back of my mind are both MMA uh Conor McGregor uh knocking out Chad Mendez that was that was loud and I was I wasn't I wouldn't say I was scared for my life 
but that arena was a little bonkers after that finish. Uh, and the other one would have been uh, Frank Shamrock against um, Phil Baroni mm. in San Jose. Uh, you know, he's basically, and Frank is like calling his shot, right? Like he's like, he's basically telling Phil that he's going to put him to sleep and then he, and then he puts him to sleep from a pro wrestling standpoint. I remember Austin, uh, SummerSlam 2001 against Kurt Angle. Uh, even though he was technically, I think he was he a he, he was a heel in that match, but he, I remember that being really loud. And then also WrestleMania 25, so that show sucked. Uh, the but the thing was is um, so the night before was at the Hall of Fame, and Austin gives the most rushed speech of all time, right? Like, because that's when they're trying, they they have a clock on those guys, and they're trying to speed it up so that they could cut it for TV. And so everyone is just mega disappointed in in that evening. And so the next night, um, you know, they do the thing where, you know, they introduce all the Hall of Famers, and Austin kind of waves. And then about 10 seconds later, after everyone goes back behind the curtain, the music hits boom he he comes down in the four-wheeler and because everyone was so surprised i like i like they just the the whole crowd just went crazy like like i was like man this is like this is like wrestlemania 17 austin all over again he didn't have to do anything yeah i remember uh goldberg too i saw goldberg live right after he won the title from um from hulk hogan they had like a tv tape for thunder in oakland at the arena mm-hmm. and he was in the dark against uh the giant and it was pretty pretty loud for his entrance and then that match was only like a few minutes long and and, and that was a pretty big pop too for that all right well, let's get back to elimination chamber it shows you how interested we are in this card when we can remember stuff from 20 years ago <laughs> <laughs> um okay so so uh bobby lashley he has the Intercontinental Championship, which if you had me guess, like if I didn't read that and you had me guess three guys, I would have eventually made it to him. But I just I didn't even realize he had the belt. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush against Finn Balor. Can't say that I'm super interested in this match. I'm assuming it is to set up a singles at some point between them, but uh, I'm not sure why Leo Rush is in the match. Um, and then Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin was made no DQ, which will help that match. But still, it's not a match I'm necessarily looking forward to either. Please, God, just have that be a quick squash. I, mean, <laughs> I actually, if one of the few guys that will, you know, that would admit they like Baron Corbin, I actually, I actually do. I, don't, I think he gets a lot of flack, but, but I just think for Braun, you know, he needs something. Just let him go out there and destroy him. Like you need to get him going again. Like I think he's kind of, you know, he only got hurt, really cooled him off. So in this angle, hasn't really done him any favors. So I think you know, just, you know, just go out there, destroy Corbin. And actually, what they should have done. They should just made this a freaking tag with, with Kurt Angle and Braun versus Drew and Corbin, and then. And then, you know, like, 
Yeah, because Drew, because Drew and Kurt aren't on this show, at least from no. from what I can tell from the lineup I, that I, I think, have. Every time I think about this show, I think about Fastlane. Yeah, yeah. And what do you have to do for that? Like, you could just save Corbin. You could say this match would be perfect for Fastlane. Yep. Yep. And then you do, and then you do, uh, 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 you know, well, then he leaves us throwing for the Undertaker like <laughs> a couple weeks ago. So. Yes. Yes. Um, okay, so that's that's just about it for this week's Road to WrestleMania segment. Uh, we will continue to do this until the big show. Uh, so every week we'll probably lead off with uh, talking talking uh, where we're going for WrestleMania. Okay, so I mentioned at the top that we were going to talk about Jay White beating Tanahashi. Lots of people are not Jay White fans. <laughs> And it is a bit of a polarizing move for Jay White to beat Tanahashi. Uh, but before we even talk about sort of the fan reaction, uh, what, what you know, star rating, what you like, anything that you didn't like, like what were your thoughts? Oh, I love this match. I, I thought this was a five-star match. I thought uh, this is my match of the year so far. Um, I just thought the storytelling was great. I love the fact that Tanahashi was a step ahead on everything for a very long time. I loved Gato's involvement. I think Gato's like the best manager in wrestling today. Like, and I love how like he tried, he kept trying to get involved and kept getting cut off and kept getting cut off. And every time you think, oh, this is where they're gonna, they're gonna get the advantage. Like, nope, Tanahashi's still on top. I love the stuff with the. With the leg that you know, Jay White built into that figure four spot. I thought that was really good. Uh, the only thing I did not like about this match is when Tanahashi set up the sling blade, and Jay White was like stumble to the corner, and then eventually he like sunk down like like he's exhausted, and like but like Tanahashi's getting frustrated, but he for some reason and Tanahashi's usually perfect at everything. He was like, almost like he was frustrated. Like, you're not in position for this. <laughs> like, you're supposed to be here, and I'm supposed to go hit this. That's what it felt like to be. Like, it didn't that. And plus, I didn't like like Jay White when he slumped down. Like, instead of being like he he just slumped down out of exhaustion. And yeah. Just out, of, out of dumb luck, he was able to sort, you know, get out of the way of uh, the sling blade. Like, he had a little spurt on his face. Like, that was my plan. Like, is that your if that's your plan, why you sunk it down? You just, you know, you you move a little quicker. In my opinion, mm-hmm. that's just, that's, you know, that's just nitpicking and, and totally overthinking stuff. But other than that, I thought it was freaking awesome. I mean, I was lucky I did not get spoiled. I didn't know the results of the show. I just, you know, I just stayed off social media. I was busy at work, and then I ended up watching my lunch hour, and I, you know. Th- that match is designed to make you feel like it's going to be another classic, great match Tanahashi victory, right? He goes up for the high five, the high five flow, and you're like, okay, this is it. He's building to it. He's building to his his big finish, and then bam, you know, uh, Switchblade hits the what the what's his finisher called? The uh, shoot, I forget what it's called his uh, his cutter move. Like he hits that like perfect, and just what an ending. I thought the promo was good. Um. Yeah, I really love this match. Like right now, it's my it's my match of the year. I I of course liked it as well. Um. I I now there is a bit of a um. 
how do you say it? There's there's a bit of a pattern, obviously, in in just about every Tanahashi match as the older version of Tanahashi, who's you know legs are are not feeling too great, and you know early in the match he's gonna take a bump or something's gonna happen, he's gonna blow out his knee or whatever. Like that's kind of how a lot of these matches happen to where so you can get you know you work on him and work on the knee and he gets sympathy. Like it, it works totally, but I think. This uh, I, I was trying to think when I thought Jay White was gonna win because I wasn't quite sure. I thought uh, maybe it's fifty fifty, but I still thought Tanahashi was gonna win. Uh, and then at some point I was like, "Huh, they may they may actually do this." And so, you know, in even though I uh, l- let me step back, I already knew what the result was, right? But I was kind of lost in the match. And I was trying to to figure out to myself, okay, if I was watching this live, <laughs> when would I feel that Jay White was act, actually had a chance to win? And so, I, what I really liked is, you know, Tanahashi's always going to sell his leg, sell his leg, but to even up to even the odds, what does he usually do? He tries to take out their leg too, so it's like even, right? Like I, I have a bad wheel, I'm gonna, you know, I, I I'm gonna hurt your leg so that you have a bad wheel. So I always like that part of it because it makes so much sense. Like if you're just thinking about this, you know, from a, from a, um, that standpoint, uh, what did you think about just Tanahashi goes for his finish and Jay White catches him. Boom. Done. Like it was just a mat. Like there was no hesitation. You didn't, there wasn't no, you know, two finishers, three finishers, it was very I was I almost thought it was a little abrupt, but it was like complete. That's what it should be though. Like this this pattern of everyone has to kick out of each other's finish before the finish, you know, eventual finish. Like I just hate that cuz you're just killing guys finishers. I like that they're getting those finisher over. Yeah, you're ki- you're that's you're fantastic. You're hurting the finisher, but you're the idea is is you're increasing the drama and you're trying to get the fans to the point of where they're ready to explode, right? What when they kick out of finishers? That's the idea. They think it's they think they're doing a great thing, and people are just going, yeah, they're going crazy. But at the same time, like there's there's this much more. Like look at that crowd. Every time Jay White would get him in position for the finisher, yep, they would react. Look at look at when Tanahashi go to the top rope for the high five float. They would react, right? They would react big when his, the JY get his knees up and he missed it. Just like in, like, you know, I've been watching a lot of old, kind of like it's old now, but like 90s All Japan. And, you know, like, you know, Masawa locks on the face lock. People mm-hmm. going nuts. Stan Hansen has to adjust his, his uh, elbow pad for the lariat, and people are going nuts because they know if they hit it, if he hits the lariat, it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no one's kicking out of that clothesline. You know, so like I miss that. I miss, I miss that. Like, did anyone? Did the Rock? I, I think maybe the Rock kicked out of the stunner, right? I guess he's like the only guy. But for the most part, I think, I think you know, not many people like when he hit the stunner. So cool, hit the stunner. It was over. So I mean, it's that like, indie riffic style of like just kick out of a kick. It's just a, it's like it's like the get a pop. Like the pop of the kick out the finisher is just like to me it's just a cheap pop 
it ends up just ruining the drama of your finisher as you go as you go forward. You know, so you you protect it. You protect it for a reason. And there's a there's a time and place for a guy to kick out of your finisher, but you shouldn't do it like every every so called big match you have. You know. So where do you think they go? Uh, uh, they already announced New Japan Cup winner is facing mm-hmm. Jay White at Madison Square Garden. So we'll be there. Uh, are, are you sensing Okada? Could it be Kota? They they announced Kota is going to be with them, so he will not be with AEW. Uh, oh. They could they could always go Naito. Mm-hmm. I feel, gosh, I want to say Kota, but it's just I feel like it's too early for that. I think now that they got got this investment in Cody uh, Coda, they're gonna they're gonna I can see them crowning him at at Tokyo Dome champion. Who I don't know if Jay White will be champion by then. Um, I think oh, they they probably won't go to Tanahashi again, right? They, they're probably not the that's probably not going to happen. So uh, maybe Okada. But what's Kata got going on? Kata, you got to get Kata going, right? Kata, well, Kata just won against Fale, too. So, yeah, I can see him winning the cup and then going against Jay White. And maybe they want to crown, you know, Okada champion at Master of Garden and start that up again. So, mm-hmm. And then you could do – and that's a fresh matchup is Kota versus Okada. Mm-hmm. No. So, with that saying said, <laughs> I think I'm going to go to Kata. Yeah, I think, like, now – I'm also just rooting for the match I want to see live too, so so that's that's a, that's a little bit of a biased call on my end. But I, I do hope Okada as well. I hope Okada wins, and I want to be there for that pop when Okada wins the title after a, a, a Rainmaker clothesline. Yeah, the only thing I went with Jay White winning that I just was kind of like bum bummed me out about it. it's not that he won; it's just the fact that oh man, I was really just. As a fan, hoping that we're gonna get Tanahashi Okada at Master Rare Garden, I was really hope, hoping for that matchup. I know, I know. We're we're just a, we're just a, a, a cog in in the overall plan, right? It's not. This is not like this is not equivalent to the Tokyo Dome, which is what they're setting up for. So we're just uh, this show is just a, you know a show on the on the run uh, on the way. So that's I, I the way they look people, at it. People that really need to be a little more open minded about. It. Jay White as the champion. I mean, Okada didn't, you know, when Gato's brought Okada back for, you know, Impact and gained the Rainmaker gimmick, and like no one, everyone was like, oh man, that was a horrible debut. No one cared. This is going to be a fail. It's going to fail. And then, you know, Gato stuck, Gato stuck to his guns and, you know, he believed in Okada and, and he knew Okada had the goods and just, you know, People would finally, you know, see that, and you know, he was right. And he, he's a smart guy. I think he, you know, I I trust him with Jay White. I think I think Jay White, this new Switchblade character, at first, he was very uncomfortable with it. He didn't look natural with it, right? You know, he's a little nervous doing it. You know, he came in with a big a big push as Switchblade and that character, and he was put in big matches right off the bat, and. You know, he had a tough go at Tokyo Dome with Tanahashi, right, in his first big match. You know, but then again, Tanahashi wasn't 100% too. Yep, so yep. that was a little disadvantage that he had. And, you know, I think he's been slowly 
slowly, you know, improving, improving, improving. And, and I think now we see how good he is. You know, he did great. The only thing I, I don't like is maybe he talks too much, like with the referee or just, I don't know, it just doesn't come off well for some reason. I just, I like to see him get a little bit more aggressive, but I think, I think he's going to be fine. And by the end of the year, you'll be talking, we'll be talking about how great Jay White is and people will be like, He's the greatest, you know, and all that stuff. And the, the, other, the other thing that's a little hard for him is he's kind of following Omega. in the footsteps or being in the shadow of Kenny, right? And and that was yeah. like a world-class run for him. Yeah, yeah. And he has, he has a, you know, that, that's, you know, the shadow of Omega does loom over Jay White, but he needs to, he needs to step up his game and, and, and uh, he'll deliver. He'll deliver. And he's going to be watching, working with... Okada, you know, Tanahashi, you know, Naito and Kota, like, he'll, I think a big thing, I think a big deal for him will be G1. This, this last G1, he got a lot of big wins. Yep. But they're also with tons of interference. Yep. Right. I would like to see them scale back on the interference for him and have him win these matches a little cleaner. Right. And then maybe that will be get with some fans over but yeah i just just trust the system trust gato you know i i don't think he's been wrong too often so so what did you think about aew selling out double or nothing in uh, a very quick time that, that i think so from what Four i understand minutes, right? well so from what i understand they put probably like uh like 90 Seven percent of their tickets on sale for the pre-sale, mm-hmm. and and all those tickets sold out in half an hour. And then they had you know some leftover tickets, probably less than a thousand for uh, the re- the regular sale today. I I almost wonder why they just didn't put them all for the pre-sale. It was almost like today they only had a small amount and they sold out in like you said four minutes. But very impressive. Uh, Jericho had something on his Instagram today. Where he said, uh, "There, there's that old Jaws line where they, where they go. We're gonna need a bigger boat." Yeah. And so they, they had the Jaws poster, and I guess m- m- is Nick, Nick or Matt had tweeted out something like, "We're gonna need a bigger venue." So Jericho put that on the Jaws poster. We're gonna need a bigger yeah. venue. Yeah. Um. Great. That's fantastic. But I also wasn't so shocked. Like, damn, selling out fast is just. I was. I'm not shocked by this at all. And they'll, they'll, when they do their next big show, whatever that is, July or something like that, you know, they'll, they'll sell that out again. And then it's, it's, I want to see the tenants when they're in like a year in a run and how the, how the house shows are holding up, how the, you know, how all that, how's, once the newness, the freshness, the, you know, is, is, is died down. How are they drawing it? How are they keeping people interested? That's 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 gonna be a true test. So today on Twitter, Brandy Rhodes, who is uh, heavily involved in the women's division and also in their branding, she had a tweet that said, and, I, and I'll just read the tweet. It's actually pretty interesting, and and uh, a lot of people are kind of frustrated. Some don't care. Uh, And so I want to get your thoughts on it. So basically, she says, as we look ahead to Las Vegas, let's take this opportunity to make it clear 
that AEW is totally inclusive. We fully support and celebrate all of our athletes and all of our fans, regardless of their sexual orientation, race, gender, religion, or ethnicity, period. A safe, inclusive, respectful, and very cool environment will be central to everything we do at AEW. Be who you are and come as you are, because we're all going to come together as a community to change the world. Now, you can imagine who got upset with that comment. Fans who were like, so does that mean I can wear my Make America Great Again hat? to AEW and I will be accepted. Um it's 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 an interesting I I think this is really who they want to be, right? Like this I don't I don't consider this necessarily a marketing tactic though it is to some extent because you are putting this word out there on Twitter which is your social media which is to promote. So to some extent it is marketing, but it does sound like this is one of their you know, I don't know if it's their mission statement, but let's just say it's their mission statement to be super inclusive and to, you know, they, they hired uh, Nyla Rose, the first transgendered woman wrestler to sign a, a contract with the, with the U.S. company. Um, uh, you know, Brandy herself is an African-American woman in a management role at a wrestling company. I don't know if there have been others prior to her not only the women part, but also the African-American woman. Um, uh, Tony Khan, he is of Pakistani descent, though he is, uh, you know, I would, con- I think he's probably, he's, he would consider himself Pakistani-American. So this, the the people who are involved are definitely, you know, there, there's an equality aspect to this. And, and I like that, that like that, that, that sings or, 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 you know, rings true to me as a person. And so I obviously support that. But it does seem that when you say this is who you are, you are also saying this is who you aren't. So they don't want people catcalling because of gender or because of religion or, you know, and, and that, that, I mean, we should hope that that isn't the case in our lives, but that's not really the case in the real world. So I thought it was an interesting statement. Um, but what were your thoughts on, on what she said about that today? I just thought it was, I don't know. I saw that and I was just like, okay, it's great. I mean, like, like to me, like, isn't all wrestling inclusive? Like there's so many different people and, 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 and lifestyles and everything in wrestling now, like in my opinion, like, you know, there's a lot of diversity in wrestling, I still think. Yeah. Especially, I mean, look at the WWE's doing. You know, this is not something new. Like, WWE has, like, you know, they, people from all the world wrestling for them. You know, like, they go, they're trying to find people from everywhere. Uh, uh, you know, they're, 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 you know, I know it's part marketing, too, but they're, they're doing their, they're doing their best to kind of put their, you know, you know, best foot forward and, you know, uh, you know, openly gay wrestlers and celebrate them and, you know, obviously celebrate the women, which is, you know, again, a lot of it is marketing, you know, you know capitalizing on the, 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 the Me Too movement and stuff too, but they also like, they, you know, they, they can, they're reading the, they're reading how, what's like, what's out there now, you know, like, you know, the, uh, focusing on strong women and I think it's a great thing. And, 
so I don't know. I just thought it was like, just you know, I don't know. Maybe she did. Maybe just bored. You know, they're trying to you know, kind of keep things going. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just didn't think. I just didn't think much of it really. I just say, like, okay, it's great. You know, that's great. It's good to have uh, all inclusive and set to everyone. I think that's what it should be at every wrestling show at every wrestling company. So, well, I mean, to be to take this stance, I think is is a pretty big deal. Uh, you you know. If they didn't say anything about it, no one would have even, you know, thought anything, right? Like, uh, there's the famous, and and nobody knows if this is true or not, but um, back in the day, probably the mid to late 80s, someone asked Michael Jordan about backing a Democrat who was running, uh, I don't exactly remember for what office, and Michael Jordan decided to not make a public statement and, and his sentiment was well you know because republicans buy sneakers too <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and, and so that's the ultimate sort of like business i i understand what the consumer uh you, you know the, the entire consumer market is and thus i'm not going to alienate anybody by telling them what my personal choice is and so that's you know that that's but that was you know 30 years ago and now you have today lebron james very outspoken against equality and diversity uh, for diversity obviously for equality um anti-president trump right he, he's not very fond of, of, of trump like many of us mm-hmm. aren't but it's a different tack today where the most famous basketball player maybe of all time and 30 years ago was like you know what i'm not going to give my stance on this because i don't want to alienate anybody and the and the one today is like no that's who I am that is my brand which is this right so I, I thought I thought it was interesting and I like it because and people are gonna think I'm just like you know pro AEW all the time it's just like no I just I want everyone to win like I don't care who wins I want everyone to win but to take a stance like that I think is pretty brave now the some some may say you know. It, it may not be smart because, again, alienating audience. But yeah, man, when you take a stance like that, you also put your put some pressure on yourself to de- to deliver that stance. So mm-hmm. you you basically have told your audience like we we're not going to make mistakes in this area. And you know this is kind of like a, an interesting thing to me because pro wrestling is so different in that you they're hiring a lot of people who they don't really know the backgrounds of, right? But remember when um. Remember when Kenny Omega did that show for the video game company and uh, Chase and Rance was on the show and people were mm-hmm. like slamming them for, you know, how, you know, you employed Chase and Rance on the show. And Omega was like, I didn't know. Like, I, I didn't really know what the story was here. Th- they're going to have more of these. I didn't know what the story was, you know, possibly down the line because they're hiring people who they're not super familiar with. Like, they're not friends with all of these people. They're, you know, they're, a lot of these folks are fairly unknown and you can do your due diligence, but I don't know if they're doing background checks on these guys. Maybe they are, but that's the kind of thing that they open themselves up to, which is, you know, now they may, and when you make statements like that, maybe now you do have to do your due diligence on that stuff. Yeah, well, and if something comes up, they should definitely handle handle it quickly and accordingly, right? Like, like they should have a no. I'm sure they're having no, you know, domestic abuse policy. They should like, kind of adopt all that kind of stuff, you know. I'm sure. I'm sure. They, I just I just didn't think it was anything. I personally I didn't think it was a big deal. I mean, I think I think it's it's great that everyone's you know 
they're accepting everyone. I think that's why I think wrestling shows should be anyways. It's always a good place. There's always a very diverse group of people that go to wrestling shows. So, um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, do they do the alien pro Trump people? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be like that. I think people go into a wrestling show, but what do you think people are gonna cat call like the the gay characters in the show, like the old days? I don't think that even happens anymore. Like you know, like oh, well, I've seen it happen in some indie shows and stuff, but like you know, I think I think the audience, I think the audience that goes AEW at least for the for the first. This first kickoff stuff is all people that are just 100% support them anyways, and they're there for the fun and time, you know. So I don't think they're really worried about how people are going to act at shows. I mean, I don't know. I might be missing the point, but so uh, before we get to Raw, I think this is episode six of our recap here uh, of our series of recaps. Uh, just wanted to run down the weekend schedule and, and tell and tell people like how much stuff there is going on this weekend. So uh, there's a top rank boxing event on Friday night. Also on Friday night is Bellator with uh, Matt Mitrione against Sergey Karatanov. On Saturday, Leo Santa Cruz uh, is fighting for Premier Boxing Championship. And also on Saturday is Bellator with Paul Daly and Michael Venom Page and Crow Cop versus Big Country. <laughs> and then on Sunday, we have a pretty big UFC show because this is their first ESPN, main ESPN show, where the main card is going to be on ESPN. They, they've, all, the other ones had prior have had the prelims on ESPN. They do not have the big basketball game uh, lead in. Uh, but they do have uh, Cain Velasquez in his first fight in like two and a half years against uh, Francis Ngannou, and so that's kind of a it's kind of a big deal. And 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 alongside that, we talked about the Elimination Chamber, and then the NBA All Star Game, which will do at least seven million viewers on average. So like this weekend is packed. Now I think most people, unless they're the super hardcores, will skip. Uh, some of the boxing stuff, and I don't. I'm not super, super interested in the Friday night Bellator show, but the Saturday night Bellator show seems like it's a lot of fun. But man, Sunday is a killer. Like th- this is where I, 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 I need all the the gimmicks to watch all the stuff at the same time. But, uh, but that's kind of where we are this weekend, and uh, I really hope that Kane and Ngannou do a big number for ESPN because. Uh, if they can do two million, you know, one point seven five million, like that's a pretty big deal, and and it just shows that, you know, having a, a the right network behind you can mean all the difference in in the success. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna probably watch. I'm not gonna watch the Bellator because I don't have the Zone. I don't think it's on Paramount, is it? The Friday night is. Oh, of course. Yeah, I don't really care for that one. <laughs> And the one I would really want to watch is Paige versus a daily be fun fight, but I'll probably I won't watch that. I'm going to watch the boxing, and I'm going to watch UFC, and of course I'm going to watch Linus Chamber. I won't be watching Linus Chamber live though, because I won't be coming over to watch it. <laughs> so, because um, I have a friend coming in town, and we're going to go to lunch, and it's just you know, so it's a late lunch, so. I'm gonna miss, so I'm watching it late at night. So I'm gonna try to prep. So I'm gonna be watching late, late these shows, and that's gonna be a struggle. 
Thank God well, you thank don't God. have work on Monday. Yeah, I don't have work Monday, so I can. I yeah, may I'll just try to drink as much coffee as I can and just <laughs> be pumped up or, or, and try not to crash out. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our raw review. So John and I started reviewing Monday Night Raw from the beginning, starting in in January of this year. Uh, we met. We basically mirrored the WWE uh, calendar for when they were showing Raw 1983, but they skipped a week. So we're kind of, I think we're like a week ahead, basically mm-hmm. from, from a calendar date perspective. So this is Raw episode six of all time. Uh, and what happens this week is actually four days prior to the the uh, the broadcast is when Kerry Von Erich commits suicide. Wow. That's, I didn't even think about that. I don't, you know, I remember he died in '93, but I mean, yeah, it was early on. It's right. And so, yeah, and so the story. yeah, and and we we mentioned Andre when Andre passed away. They did do the the salute for him, but unless I missed it, no no mention of Kerry Von Erich no, on the show. Not at all. Okay, yeah, so he was a big star in wrestling by the time I think they really didn't know how to deal with all the, especially a, someone you know committing suicide and i'm sure they just decided to avoid you know best just not to mention that yeah yeah all right so the show starts and vince introduces the macho man and bartlett walks onto the cam on onto camera as if to look at vince and go like what about me man (laughs) and he doesn't introduce bartlett but then he asks bartlett about his t-shirt so that was the the open to the show i feel like I feel like they're not comfortable opening this show. Like every open is weird and different. And, you know, sometimes Macho Man gets attacked. Uh, Sometimes he introduces Bartlett. Sometimes Bartlett cracks a joke. It's just like they they don't open in the same way. Did they have like a kind of like a cold open with like Bartlett, like look at the crowd and saying like, oh, wrestling fans can't can read or something like that or can spell or something like that did they do that if they did i i, I must have missed it because when i watch the shows i let it go 10 seconds into the next show so that the wwe network will remember where i left off so it's possible that i just missed the the beginning oh got it got it but yeah they, yeah they're, they're 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 still you know figuring out the show what they want to do and this and they're back live this is actually a live show and uh bartlett doesn't do much of note, though he does do a, I don't know, I'd say C-plus impersonation of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, he, I think this is the time where Hogan is, like, working with, like, what is it? Like, he he, he was trying to, or maybe he actually did become the, uh, the working with the president for, like, athletics or exercise or whatever that was like Arnold was that person for a while too. And so they mentioned that on the show, but I don't, I don't remember what actually happened. Um, maybe I'll look that up for the next show. But, uh, the first match is, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow against Scott Taylor, who is the Features. same yep. guy as Scotty too hotty. Yep. Future Scotty too hotty. Been, been around since 1993 doing stuff, stuff with WWE. Yeah, he looked goofy as a jobber. Like he was, <laughs> like just—I mean, not, nothing wrong as a wrestler, but just like the his look, 
I mean, even in 1993, he was still looking like he was like a, you know, mid to late 80s uh, Southern wrestler or something. Oh, yeah. You know, he had the, the, he had the mullet, and <laughs> the, the multicolored tights and stuff, you know, but uh, he looked good. It, it was actually a, a, a pretty good squash match. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it. I mean, he Bam Bam's just looking like a monster in this match and and Scotty is taking everything, and he even uh, Bam Bam has to hit two headbutts off the top rope. I don't know why he needed two because was well, it, one of them was like it was too far or something. Well, it was too far, and he even made him like kind of like oh man, like kind of like had to measure it out. But like he hit it though. Yeah, that's Actually, what I, I thought. I, I watched it three times because I was trying to figure out like did he really miss? But maybe he maybe he thought it wasn't good enough, and he's like you know screw it. I'll just go back up there and do another one just to make a, a stamp on it or something like that, you know, just so they don't, you know, he doesn't go out with, you know, people questioning, did he really miss it? Did it really hit him? But he, I mean, I watched it over and over. He, he did hit him. And this is one of the fun about rewatching 1993 because I'm a big Bam Bam, big little fan. So anytime I can watch Bam Bam do his thing, like you know, he, was, he was pretty awesome. I thought, uh, and he gave, uh, he gave Scott Taylor some stuff. He gave him a moment. He gave him a, uh, a victory roll attempt, and but then he went, you know, bumped it with the electric chair. So I thought that was pretty cool. I, I think if Bam Bam wrestled today, he would have changed that finisher. Though, can you imagine doing that big that big headbutt off the top rope like over and over and over and over, it being that size? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure he definitely has the neck problems after that. You know, so. So the main uh, the main story to this raw is that Hogan's coming back. We talked about this last week. Beefcake, you know, talking about the second coming of of uh, Jesus Christ uh, himself, and, and so you know, the Vince does two interviews with him, and I thought this was kind of interesting strategy because to one extent you get the produced sit down version of Hogan, and they get the message out that they want to get out, which is, it's almost like he comes on first to apologize for stuff that maybe, I don't know how much of the fan base really understands, but he comes out to do the apology, which is kind of like a half-assed apology. And then later in the show, he comes out as, as Hulkamania. So it was, it was pretty interesting. You had like, you know, Terry Jean Bollet slash Hulk Hogan, and then you had Hulk, you know, Hulkamania in, in two yeah. different segments. It was it was interesting. Yeah, there was this, there was two goals of that interview, and it's like, man, as a kid, I probably didn't realize what was really going on. Yeah, but it was Vince is like, okay, let's give him the real Hulk, right? Let's let's, let's, let's you know let's lay out let's let's kind of get this apology out of the way. Let's let's, let's brush the whole steroid acquisition out of the way, and then. And then we'll go on the tack of the media. Yep, like that was basically the goals of the of that interview. And they did it, they did it taped so no one could cat call them or say stuff. Right. Um, and that was it. That was it. That was it. And then they're off. They're off running with Hulkamania. Yeah. So I. I mean, I thought. I feel like WWE doesn't really do this well because they come from such a defensive position, but. There was a couple of things that he said, which I thought set him up for absolute failure, which is he said that his dad told him, you know, don't do as I do, do as I say. And then he was basically like, no, children, do as I do. And I'm like, God, can you imagine 
knowing what he was doing possibly at that time and knowing what he was going to do later in his life and looking back at the Hulk Hogan that is a human being, like he said, he's a human and he makes mistakes. Like, man, putting that out there as to the children, do as I do. I thought that was kind of rich. Um, but then again, like, you know, that was kind of the thing back then is just, you know, people putting athletes on pedestals. I think we're a little bit smarter than that today. But um, I thought that was like, that was kind of wild. And so the other thing he says is he says there's now five commandments. Huh. It's train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, believe in yourself, and also believe in the Hulkster. So it's just like that, you know, we were making fun of the Jesus Christ thing, but it's like literally, like he's like, I mean, it's it was a little scary. I, like thinking back, you know, thankfully I was, you know, 16, about to turn 17, and not like 10. Because if I was like mm-hmm. ten, right, and and you're, you're so influenced by this stuff as a ten year old, I, I really wonder about that. But anyways, uh, you mentioned the attack on uh, on journalism, uh, on the in the media. He basically called it tabloid terrorism, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting because it's ex- it's it's the exact take that our president today takes against the media, which is it's all lies. You know, don't believe it. You know, the, the media is, is wrong. There's no journalism. And that's basically what Hogan is saying. And he's probably specifically talking about Phil Mushnick, who's really the only one who truly cares mm-hmm. at this point, you know, uh, a couple years later. So uh, no mention of steroids. He just basically said that he's made mistakes. And for some reason, <laughs> he said... <laughs> Even all the way back to Little League. And I was like, what does that have to do with yeah, anything? Like, was, he, was he doing juice in Little League? Like... I, I think he, I think because he was, because there was that historically that picture of him in Little League that they would always show where he's like 10 times as big as everyone. But you weren't, like, you were natural when you were 10 years old. Maybe he was sliding in spikes up. Oh, my God. I, I don't know. Jesus. Maybe he, uh, you know, like uh, he threw a couple batters or something like that, or corked a, his metal bat. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bar- so coming out of the interview, right? It's this serious piece. It's supposed to be inspiring, and Bartlett's comment is like way off. Instead of saying something like, "Wow, you know, Hogan looks refreshed. He was inspiring. He looks ready to come back." Right? Like, that's kind of the sentiment you want. Bartlett goes, he's kindler and gentler. Like, what? I I could just, like, I can't see Vince, but it was, like, unless Vince, like, I can't imagine Vince would have written that for for him. No. It was just like, are you, like, are you kidding? That's your line coming out of that thing? No, it's like, it's probably like Vince is like taking his pen, just like jabbing it right in the paper (laughs) on his desk that just like wants to go crazy. So the, uh, the first match or the second match, sorry, is, uh, it's it's a pretty fun match. It's, uh, it's Shawn Michaels against the Beverly's. I mean, Shawn Michaels and the Beverly's against Tatanka and the Nasty Boys. And so, we had mentioned last week that Tatanka beats Shawn Michaels in a, in a, in a uh, on a Superstars non-title match, one that you watched, and and the story here is like 
Michaels kind of has his work cut out for him, and he is not confident against Tatanka. And Tatanka is running wild. The crowd loves him. He looks great. Everything there's, I mean, there's a moment late in the match where they're all kind of in the ring where it gets a little bit claustrophobic. But otherwise, I thought he looked really good here. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, we we need like a, a version of Tatanka in today's wrestling. Like, man, like he, the crowd was eating him up. He 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 just fit the bill, and uh, he he won the match by uh, he reversed Michaels's uh, finisher and won with a with a sunset flip. And man, bring that move back! Like I loved it. I loved that whole thing at the end. I used to book that finish a lot. The reverse, suit, the suit back suplex into the guy floats over to, into a sunset flip. I said I used to do that one a lot. So one of my favorites. Um, but uh, the reason why we got clunk in the middle of that match, where it kind of looked like awkward, they all got in the ring at the same time, is because they're supposed to go to commercial. They mistimed their commercial break. <laughs> They're supposed to go in as a, like almost like a standoff, like a Mexican standoff between like, you know, the two teams. And then, well, it didn't happen. And they came went on like another minute, too. And all of a sudden, they went spill to the outside. And it's like, all right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. And I was like, oh, that's what happened. They they mistimed the, the commercial break there. But but yeah, it was a fun. It was a fun uh, six man tag. Uh, always enjoy watching the Beverly Brothers. They're a you know, very underrated team. Um, Sean. Look good. Tonka looked really good. I mean, they definitely put the focus on him as they should. Uh, Brian Knobs just turns me off. <laughs> like, I just don't like Brian Knobs. Like, mm-hmm. watched him wrestle. Um, I mean, I was good with him till like 1992 when they turned babyface, and then that was I just never really got back into the uh, the nasty boys. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun, it was a fun little little TV match. So Crush comes out and he faces off against uh, one of our favorites so far in this in this six episode run, Terrific Terry Taylor. Yes, and good. I mean, great. Like I, I like I, you know Crush is not uh, in th- this version of Crush as a singles. Uh, you know he he's very limited in what he can mm. do, but that song comes on, and you know what you know what I hearken back to when when I hear that song is there was a. I think it was Super Nintendo game where uh, I want to say it was like the, they did they were able to do like a a several person version of a Royal Rumble match. Like I think maybe you could have like four four guys in at once, but when you'd kick someone out when you toss someone over the top, they would play the beginning of the theme music of the next guy who comes into the ring, and and you know crush that that guitar wail to start his theme song. It's always like in the back of my mind because then you're like, oh, Crush is coming in next. But uh, I always loved that song for whatever reason. I loved, I, I really enjoyed his theme music. So it was, it was I kind of popped when I was watching that show. And I was like, oh, that's Crush's theme music. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good theme. Um, the match was 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 you know pr- pretty damn good. Uh, Terry Taylor was doing a great job with him, really putting him over strong, going up good for everything, press slam, really getting out big of a monster that uh, crush is. It was, it, was, it was a nice, nice match. And uh, at this point, they're also trying to figure out what to do with Taylor because I, th- I want to say he did some superstar or challenge tapings as an announcer. Like they were trying him out in, in that area too. Yeah. Cause he did, he, like he does leave and goes back to WCW. And I think he starts, that's when he starts working for the office. So, 
Terry Taylor still working for WWE today. What a run. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume that, you know, 1994 when in WCW when he was there, you know, Triple H was there, right, as John Paul Levesque or Terry Rising. So maybe they always just struck up a, a, a bond, and that's, you know, Triple H always was impressed to him and thought he was one of the smartest guys and, and brought him over to his team at NXT. That's, that's what I think happened. So the the uh, next moment is the big moment of the show. Hulk Hogan comes out, music plays. He is smaller for sure, but he looks like he's in really good shape. He's wearing the red, like he's wearing all red. It almost looks like he's wearing like a jumpsuit. And uh, and he comes out, and this crowd <laughs> was a little lukewarm to him when he came out. I thought that was really interesting. That, you thought they were lukewarm? I mean, they were going so Hogan crazy. But. At, at the end, he did get them going. But when you're, you know, when, when Hogan hasn't been on TV for over a year, you have the new show, Monday Night Raw. He's never been on it before. I just assumed that the crowd was just going to, like, lose their stuff, but they didn't. Yeah, I thought... You know, it's funny when you talk about how how he was definitely smaller, right? I I was you know during that sit down interview with Vince, and they got all the old pictures in the background. Yeah, he's like and ginormous, that, and he's just like just ripped. I'm like, man, I'm a steroid hook. <laughs> <laughs> but well, what about that that sweatshirt, the cut off sleeve sweatshirt he was wearing, the Ico Pro sweatshirt? Yeah, he's pro the Ico Pro Pro brand. I was, I was man, like, I would wear that sweatshirt today going to the gym. I like I like that we always get that Bret Hart I could pro commercial. It's almost <laughs> like it's like the only time we ever hear like Bret Hart rap. I feel like it's like a rap, you know. You gotta want it every day. <laughs> <laughs> so Hogan does Hogan does the whole thing, you know, his promo about Brutus, how it was gonna it was one of the greatest comebacks ever, and then those <laughs> nasty, you know, the multi million dollar man <laughs> like he was changed like he changes stuff like the million dollar man was was fine you don't have to change it to the multi-million dollar man well maybe you know because you know hogan made more than more than just a million dollars in his career with wf he's like man you can't be this a million dollar man guy you can't be multi-million dollar i guess i guess and so uh he brings out brutus brutus has got the the shears uh he's got the 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 both black both eyes are blackened he's got the tape over his nose and, you know, he just puts over Hogan like crazy again. He's wearing Hogan's colors. And then they both and then, and then they bring out Jimmy Hart. And so the the thing that I thought was the silliest thing. Well, there was a few silly things here, but Jimmy Hart, who for his entire WWF run prior to this, or at least the majority of it was a heel. And so he comes out and he tells Hogan that he's always idolized him. Yeah. I was like, come on, man. Yeah. Um, I caught that as well. I was like, okay, that's a little... All that time you idolized him after you're trying to have your guys beat him for years. And then he said, and others in the back as well have idolized Hogan. And so I thought, I thought maybe like... Maybe if it was maybe like maybe they idolized 
the fact that, you know, he was so famous or something, but like to think like I don't think of, you know, peers in of themselves. Like imagine mm-hmm. imagine someone you work with or someone who you respect, you don't necessarily idolize them. Like you are you're a peer. Idolize you idolize your you know, a parent figure or someone who helped you through something. You know, you don't idolize your peer or someone coming in to take you know, uh, uh, technically a spot away from you or whatever. So I thought that was kind of silly. That whole, the whole thing was silly. So then, um, Hogan says that J- Jimmy is now their manager. Jimmy says that they're going to be the greatest tag team of all time. And then Hogan says his first duty as their manager is to get them matches against, uh, the multimillion dollar man and IRS, whether it's a singles or a tag. And so that, that, was uh that that was kind of the end of it but hogan then had to make up a name on the fly yeah was was the name on the back of jimmy's jacket already i thought it was on the megaphone because he okay that's that's what it was because when he hogan started teasing the name jimmy hart's point looked like he's put put his finger to his megaphone and like and i thought it said was it was it the Hulkamaniac or something like that, or what? Yeah, the Mega the Mega Maniacs. The Mega Maniacs. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was funny because he uh, he clearly he, uh, he clearly you know when when you, when you have to think of a name you you at least do like a two Mississippi pause when you think <laughs> you know <laughs> he just was like what should the name be oh mega maniacs i got it so that, that he maybe maybe he's a maybe he's a marketing genius he, i mean he probably was but maybe he's even better than we thought so then uh, so that was that and then uh you know they're they're they didn't really tease hogan and beefcake for anything on the next show but they also didn't have any time because taker undertaker and skinner come out for the main event they have literally a minute of TV time left because they cut to commercial, then they came back, then they went to Lord Alfred Hayes, and then they came back. And I realized that there was no finish on the match, and they said, well, we'll show you the finish next week on Raw. And it made me feel like I was 11 years old again, and I'm watching Worldwide Wrestling, and it's the Great American Bash Tour, and Tony Schiavone is hyping that at the end of this show, if we have enough time, we're going to get Ric Flair and Ricky Morton. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I can't like this is going to be ridiculous. I can't wait to watch this. And then realizing that by the time that Flair makes his entrance down to ringside, they only have 30 seconds left. (laughs) And they just bait and switched me as an 11 year old kid. Like, man, I I don't I mean, I didn't feel that way watching Taker and Skinner because they didn't really do anything. Okay, good. But but this is definitely not as good as that. But maybe there were kids who like the Undertaker's like their favorite guy. And they're like, wow, I get to finally watch him wrestle on TV. True. But I think they really screwed the pooch on time on this one. (laughs) This one I don't understand. Okay, they had like, what, 30 seconds or whatever to at least do a match. Just have Undertaker go out there and fucking squash him. That's what I expected. I totally expected him to just quickly tombstone and Skinner's done. Like, why are we here protecting Skinner? Like, just go out there, big boot, tombstone, one, two, three, or choke slam, tombstone, one, two, three. You know, like, it's that, that's what I would have done. Like, I have enough time. Go. <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> 
referee, tell Skinner to spit at him with that chew, and then Undertaker's going to choke slam him and give him a tombstone. That's exactly. it. One, two, three. Exactly. Yeah, they, but they didn't do that. So, but yeah, you know, do you you do know that worldwide wrestling? I would get anxiety watching that TV show when they would <laughs> hype stuff and not deliver. Like it, it was like I would be like, "Come on! Like, what are you guys waiting for? Like, let's go!" And then you know, after it happens like two or three times, you go, "Okay, they're doing Jeez. this on purpose, and yeah. this is yeah. not cool." I used to hate when they would show, like, coming up next, Nikita Koloff, and you show him, like, Russell sick of the guy and his arm raised, and you're like, okay, this is the, that's the same guy he's wrestling right now. <laughs> you know, they just basically, I mean, that, granted, these guys are being jobbers all day, but, like, you know, it's almost like just kind of gives up a little bit of the mystery we're going to watch next, you know? Yep, yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, the Hogan promo was, was typical Hogan. Uh, I, I thought it was fine. Did not feel. I remember this. I mean, God, I, I remember when this whole storyline happened, and I was like, "This feels so beneath Hogan to me." Oh, absolutely. And then, what also stood out watching this is like, now when I was a kid, I didn't know. I knew there's great promos, right? You know, like when certain guys talk, like you listen closely, like Ric Flair, Jim Cornette, Terry Funk, Hogan during the '80s run, Macho like that. But like, I don't remember Bruce being that bad or I didn't really <laughs> know or but god like you give him a live mic from a live camera like it's almost like deer in the headlights like he's just so bad I'm glad Jimmy Hart or Toby cut him off and started talking because he's like dude that's not this guy from Babylon well we kind of we kind of uh talked about this earlier about when we talked about Brandy's inclusion speech and how they would portray uh, you know, certain folks in the way that they wanted to as heels. Cause you remember when Brutus came to WWF originally, he was billed from San Francisco as mm-hmm. to assume, or at least we were supposed to assume that he was gay. Like that was like, he was just a quiet gay guy. And before yeah. they changed his character. Yeah. He just, and wore the fishnet, right stockings like they kind of like the with his pants but he ended up just continuing to do that as the the barber as well yeah 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 that's true i remember that i remember the do remember that san francisco california i remember like he was the first guy from the from what i remember from the bay area and then i realized man fernandez from san jose <laughs> <laughs> all right i think i think we're done here so um the 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 thing like after the Hogan thing is he is really begging this crowd to go crazy for him and they do it to an extent but you could kind of tell he's like what's going on here you know this this thing that has worked for so many years is not really working with this small crowd in the Manhattan Center because he's like trying to get that he's like try, he's like he, he was doing every trick in the book right the ear then he'd go to the other side then he would like say oh you guys aren't good enough and then he'd come back to them hoping that they would raise their game then he teased the shirt then he did then he didn't do the shirt then he finally did the shirt like he was really trying to get them to go like really crazy and i, I wonder if uh if that was the part that took so long and why the show went long but I he wonder- i think i think he got them at the end they they were pretty fired up at the end yeah, maybe maybe him coming back at, at and like this this hardcore New York audience was like a bad move. You know? Well, I mean, 
his first mistake was like when I was sitting at home in California. I forget what whatever city that he that they that they always say that he was from. Venice Beach. Venice Beach. He's like when I was sitting home at Venice Beach in front of my big TV, and I'm like, "That's the this is the opposite of of <laughs> of the like the cheap pop, right? It's like it's like he's being a dick to this crowd." Oh man, God! I'm I'm glad we got through the show it over and done with. So next week we got Bret Hart versus Foth two for the WWE title. Yep. And yep. what else are they promoting? They're promoting something else coming up. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Uh, what was it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the I think the Bret Hart match. I think it opens the show too. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember. I know it's it's when I think about early most Raw. That's that's one of the matches I, I I remember, which is weird because it was such a unique match. Being that like you know Bret Hart was a, a tag team guy, mm-hmm. and you know I thought that was. I, remember, I just remember like I was like, oh, that's unusual. Like you know, you don't expect to watch see that on TV. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, man. So we got through this, and uh, and we will be back next week with episode seven and whatever was going down, you know, that week in uh, in wrestling. Like, you know, just looking at the observers, <clears throat> it's like you know, Watts is gone, so the Blue Mats are back. Eric Watts is losing to Vinny Vegas. <laughs> like, it's like it's just everything you would it's expect. World. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. But yeah, so we'll be back next week, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about continue the WrestleMania stuff, uh, old Monday Night Raws, um, and uh, and yeah, Elimination Chamber, so we'll have some stuff to say about that, and whatever else is next week, because it just seems like every weekend there's a ton of stuff to talk about. Yep, yep. What's, what's, I mean, next from AEW, what surprise are going to have? It's going to be yep. interesting to see, so a lot more to come with them. Yep, yep, and uh, New Japan's gonna figure out what you know what they're gonna do for the New Japan Cup, and then but they, we still got that that July uh, G One show in Dallas that I'm really excited about that I want to go to. So they're gonna have everything's yeah, everything's crazy. This is like uh, if we were doing this show, if podcasting was around, you know, 15 years ago, we would spend 30 minutes talking about each territory, and then we'd be done. But nope, there's so much stuff going on. Actually, you probably talk more because there's so much wrestling back then. True, true. <laughs> you think about it. All right, so for John, I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.